Good afternoon, East Coast family. Good morning, West Coast family. I want to welcome you guys to Ask Jay Live, episode number 15. And today we're going to talk about, do you have what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur? Do you have what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur? Uh, before we get into today's show, just want to uh, give you guys uh, uh, some little information here. So yesterday's podcast episode uh, it was Diedrich and Crystal Polite building generational wealth through real estate. And that was Monday, February 14th. So that was yesterday's podcast episode. So if you didn't listen to that, make sure you check it out uh, because it's about building generational wealth. And uh, Dedrick and Crystal uh, own over $5 million in real estate. They started a little less than five years ago and they've been killing it ever since. So make sure you definitely check that out. Uh, also, next week, we're going to be talking about how to overcome limiting beliefs as an entrepreneur. And that's for Monday the 21st on Black Entrepreneur Blueprint. But today we want to talk about do you have what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur? Now, there are a lot of factors that go into being a successful entrepreneur. And I'm just going to talk about a few uh, as we start out. And then uh, I'm going to talk about what are some of the problems or issues that most new entrepreneurs have and how you can possibly solve them. So the first thing in terms of do you have what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur? Number one, you want to make sure that you have a thick skin. Uh, you want to have a thick skin when it comes to having being an entrepreneur because it's, it's kind of uh, we're working against the grain. You know, most people go to work, get a job, uh, go to school, excuse me, get a job, and then they work in that job. So we're actually going against the grain. It's not the norm. So we're focusing and doing something that a lot of people want to do, but they just don't have the ability or don't want to do it that bad or want it bad enough. So number one, you have to uh, have a thick skin because you're going to get a lot of pushback from people, unfortunately, that probably uh, may be a little bit envious of you because you're fulfilling and living out your dreams. <clears throat> okay, that's number one. Number two, and these are in no particular order, you have to plan. So I don't care what type of business if you're in. I don't care if it's a side hustle. Uh, if you're quitting your job to go full time, you have to plan. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys, working off of this cold again. Um, but you need to be able to transition from whatever you were doing to be able to be a successful entrepreneur. Grab some tea here. And um, so you need to be able to plan, be it financial planning, uh, transitional planning, being able to move out of your job and into your business full time, or even planning when you have a side hustle. Here's something that I see a lot when I talk to some of the BEB family members with side hustles. A lot of times they don't have a place to work. They have no dedicated time that or specific time that they spend toward their side hustle. And when you don't plan that, you don't become successful because it's haphazard. So you want to plan as much as possible. And get it, guys. Everything gets in the way. Family, uh, work, kids and all of that stuff. But you have to plan. Um, the next thing you want to talk about is proof of concept. And this is one of the biggest things that I see with a lot of prospective business owners or entrepreneurs is they don't have proof of concept for whatever they're doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And proof of concept could be something as simple as somebody else doing that business. So if you're in a particular business, say you're a, 
uh, a gardener or you do lawn care service, you know the proof of concept is there because there are a ton of lawn care services out there. But sometimes people come up with these uh, great business ideas, and I'm going to give you a real-life example, and the proof of concept may be there, but you may be stretching a little bit. And I, I, let me just give you this example. I had a conversation with one of my best friends the other day, and he's right now back in the corporate America uh, and he's working in corporate, can't stand it. And he's talking about starting a virtual reality, um, uh, I guess, entertainment center where you bring in corporate clients and you do all types of corporate games. Great, great concept and all of that good stuff. Right now, you're not making any money, right? <laughs> I said, how much is this going to cost you? Uh, probably about a million dollars. Now, granted, I know you can get investment funds if you want to do that. But when you have a, an idea that, that that's that large and you don't have the capital or the wherewithal to raise the capital in a decent amount of time, then you're relying on somebody else's belief in your business. And so even though that may be a good business, it may not be the first business or the first piece of that business that you want to start. You have to be realistic in that. And then I, I started asking him, I'm like, what kind of research have you done? Um, you know, how many of these are successful? Where are they located? What type of people come there? And he couldn't give me any of that type of information. But it all boiled down to he enjoys or likes that type of business. And just because you like a specific type of business or you like a certain thing, this is the same guy that was trying to do home automation uh, during the uh, the pandemic when it was at full blast. Just because you like it doesn't mean everybody else will like it. And that's why you need proof of concept. Okay. Um, next thing that you guys need, obviously, is a good product or service. All right. So now there have been success stories of people selling <laughs> bad products and services, garbage, but you don't want to build your business and reputation off of that. So how many of you guys have gotten a product or service that looked good when you saw the advertising or watched the video? Then when you got it, it was a you know abject piece of junk. Been there, done that. So you want to make sure you have a good product or service. Uh, the the always, thing I always talk about is solving problems. To me, that is the easiest way to create a product or service if you can solve a problem. The bigger the problem, then the more money you can charge for solving that problem. Small problem, you're not going to charge that much. You're not going to make as much. Uh, another thing in terms of um, do you have what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur, and we're just going through a couple of things, is you want to look at um, ways to get in front of, of your audience. So somebody told me a long time ago, they were like, you know, there, there's tons of streams out there. And he was relaying the streams or relating the streams to customer. There are tons of streams out there. The whole key is you got to get in that stream of the people or the audience that you want to be in. A lot of times we try to make or create the stream, but it's probably easier to start off by getting in front of that stream. So if I'm selling hearing aids, right, and my stream or my audience is people over 65 years of age uh, that stay at home, don't work, retire, watch TV all day, and they like uh, Judge Judy or whatever in the morning. So I know that that stream that I can jump in is probably television or newsprint because a lot of them don't do Internet, and it's at a certain period of time. So being able to get in front of your audience is just as probably even more important than your product or service. 
because you can have a great product or service and you have no audience, then you're not going to sell anything. So I think marketing is one of the biggest uh, hangups that that we have as entrepreneurs. And I'm going to ask, you know, people on the line, what are some of the problems that, you know, you're having or do you think that entrepreneurs have when they start out in business? Um, The other thing is, does your message resonate? Does your message resonate with your audience? So once again, if your message doesn't resonate, then you're not going to be successful. And I'm going to look at the Super Bowl, right? So, excuse me, my wife and I are watching the Super Bowl, and I'm looking at some of these commercials, and I'm a student of marketing. I I love marketing ever since I was in in high school. And so I'm always looking at things. I'm looking at messaging. I'm looking at marketing. I'm looking at delivery. And I'm looking at some of these commercials, and I'm saying to myself, how the hell do these commercials even get made? Some of them, I don't even know what the heck they're talking about. And so does your message resonate? And there was one commercial. uh, I don't know if it was on the Super Bowl, but it's Matthew McConaughey. And he's in the air. um, He's in a balloon. I I don't even know what the freaking commercial was about. But I'm like, it has nothing to do with what you're talking about. And so you have to make sure that your message resonates with your audience, whatever that message may be. It may be a message of solving a problem. It may be a message of black unity. It may be a message of whatever, but it has to resonate with the audience. What does your audience like? You know, how do they like to be uh, talked to? How do they like to be delivered information? And so here's some of the things that are, you know, uh, are really crucial in determining if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. Uh, And another thing is, and I kind of touched on it, do people really want what you're selling? You know, don't worry about what you like. Your job as an entrepreneur is to give the people not what they need, guys. I know it always talks about give people what they need. You give them what they want first, and then hopefully you can give them what they need. I know what, what, what somebody else needs, right? So, for example, I'm in the financial services industry. You got bad credit, right? I know what you need. You need to uh, get your credit fixed, all right? But what you want is, you know, I want to buy this house. So, all right, you want to buy the house? All right, that's your goal, but this is what we have to do first. So a lot of times we have to give people what they want versus what they need. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but I always talk about human nature. And if you understand human nature and really study it, human nature basically states that most people will do what they want or buy what they want before they buy what they need, unless it's a necessity, obviously food, clothing and shelter. But if it comes down to anything else and I've seen it in the mortgage game, I've seen it looking at people's credit reports. Oh, man, you know, you're down. You can't pay your electric bill, but there was a sale on Walmart for a 75-inch TV, and it was only $499. That's what they want. What they need to do is go pay their electric bill with that money. But human nature, if you can understand that and predict the way people think and predict the way they will act, then you're one step ahead of the game, guys. So these are some of the reasons why you may not be a successful entrepreneur, and it could be one of those or a plethora of other reasons. But some of the things that that a lot of new entrepreneurs face is also uncertainty. They don't understand exactly what's going on because they're new to the game. 
And so I think once you become more accustomed to or you become more comfortable in your role as an entrepreneur, the more successful that you're going to be. And uh, another thing is, too, uh, and this is next week's show I'm going to talk about. Let me go ahead and get the right title again. But this is next week's Black Entrepreneur Blueprint, How to Overcome Limiting Beliefs as an Entrepreneur, right? And so successful or new entrepreneurs a lot of times don't even believe that they can be successful. So I had a conversation the other day with uh, my wife and we were talking about, I forgot what we were talking about, but she had a limiting belief, a a limiting financial belief because she looked at her paychecks. Whereas an entrepreneur knows that all things are possible. And I was talking about buying a, a, a crib out in LA, right? A couple million dollar crib out in LA. Oh, we can't afford that. Bye, bye, bye. And that's what a civilian would say, right? And she's right right now. I ain't spending a couple million dollars on a crib in LA, but that's what a civilian would think. And a lot of times when we move from a civilian to an entrepreneur, we still carry that civilian mindset where we have limiting beliefs. So a lot of times you'll look at, okay, I get paid every two weeks. I know what I'm getting paid. This money is earmarked for the mortgage, the car note, food, blah, 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 blah. So you can literally look a year down the road and probably plan out all of your spending, your, your major spending anyway, based on what you know that you get paid every two weeks. That's a civilian mindset. You have a limiting belief because you know, based on what this looks like, I'm not going to have dollars available to be able to buy that house or that condo in L.A. Now, me as an entrepreneur, I know that all things are possible. And I'm not even going to get on to the to the religious side. But as an entrepreneur, I know all things are possible because just as easily as, you know, things may have gone south, things can get better. And I've been witness. I bear witness to both of those. I've seen when my business fell off the cliff in 2008 with the mortgage crash. And I seen when I started my my mortgage business and it went from zero to a couple million dollars a year to start off within literally two years. And then it was millions of dollars a month after that. And then it went off the cliff. So I always understand and recognize that all things are possible as an entrepreneur, whereas civilian mindset is a little bit different. And I think the mindset is the probably the, the key factor in determining if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur or do you have what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur? Because you have to understand the ebbs and the flows. You're going to have bad times. It's not if it's just when and how many. And you're going to have to figure out ways to get around it, under it, through it, whatever uh, beside it. But you're going to have to figure things out. And I think that civilians, for the most part, people that work in corporate America, there's nothing wrong with that. Civilians have a different mindset. Um, the, one of the biggest differences I see when people transition from employee to entrepreneur is that they have to create their own box. So when you go to a job, you have a job description, you have uh, time, you have to be there, you have a supervisor or a boss that's kind of directing what you do. So you can fit into that box because you're kind of shaped or molded into that box. When you go out on your own, you have to create the box. And that's where a lot of people fail. They're used to being given direction so much 
they can't construct the setup or the layout or the foundation of what they need to to be successful because they're so used to being part of a, of a machine. It's plug and play. Oh, Jay quit. He's doing something else. All right, let me bring John in here to take his place. Hey, John, here's your box. This is what you do. This is how you do it. This is what time you're supposed to be there. So it's very easy to go to or easier. I'm not going to say easy. It's easier to fit into a, a system that's already constructed as opposed to then creating your own system. How many people as entrepreneurs, and I can't see the people's, everybody's hands that's listening to this. How many people, when you first started, you're like, man, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do today. You know, I don't have my day laid out. Whereas you go to a job, you pretty much know this is what's going to look, it's going to look like today. This is what it's going to look like tomorrow and the rest of the week. Now, as you become successful and start moving forward as an entrepreneur, you're going to plan your days out. You know, I always know if I look on my calendar, now I have flexibility. I know what I'm doing pretty much for the next this week and, and the following week. And I have gaps in that calendar because things come up. So I never over plan. One of the things that I think uh, issues that that a lot of new entrepreneurs have and we're talking about, do you have what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur is sometimes they don't understand what they're getting into until they get in it. And that's, that's natural. But sometimes when I look at my to-do list, when I started out, man, I'm going to do 18 things today. And at the end of the day, I may have got eight of them done and everything started backing up and piling up. So I started trying to create a system where I prioritized things and I only worked on things that I needed to work on that were most important to move me to the next stage. What I also think a lot of new entrepreneurs have to understand, especially if they're part time, is being able to have that time management, you know, being able to work a full time job, come home, cook dinner, play with the kids, put the kids down and still be focused enough to work on their business. It's just like working out. Right. So I'm on this new uh, this new workout uh, program that I'm doing on Beachbody. Right. So every morning, you know, I'm, I'm up at five o'clock and I'm like, damn, I don't feel like doing this crap. But I do it because I know I have to stay on track because if I get on track and don't create those habits and that's what entrepreneurs need to do, create good habits, then you're not going to be successful. Um, if you guys want to speak, make sure you hit the phone icon on the bottom right to join the caller queue. Then you can hit the mic to unmute yourself. But these are some of the things that um kind of hold people back in terms of being a successful entrepreneur. And I th like I said, I think the biggest one is the mindset and being able to understand what you're getting ready to get into and having the wherewithal and the intestinal fortitude to continue to move forward. Also, and I, I know you guys who are listening right now, if you're entrepreneurs, you also have to uh, surround yourself with like-minded people, people that understand what you're going through. So I talked about, um, you know, talking a, a language called boss. You know, boss is a different language than a civilian language. Boss is about taking action. It's about doing it. It's about making things happen. So those are things that we definitely want to focus on. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, what are some of the problems that you faced or that you're having being a successful entrepreneur? I'm going to bring Belvin on up, uh, ask him a couple of questions, let him pontificate on this. Brother Belvin, uh, what's going on, bro? Hey, how you feeling, bro? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. How you making out? 
I'm, I'm working. I'm getting there, man. And, uh, <laughs> That's what's up. You know, it's it's funny you say this. This, um, you know, I I became a full time entrepreneur in 2017, mm-hmm. uh, in August of 2017, after working in corporate America for I don't know how long. But the 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 biggest thing I would say mm-hmm. is have your systems in place. You right. want to be making passive income. I was I was always in the sales industry. Mm-hmm. Basically, you 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 hunt what you ate, what you ate, and I yeah. brought that mentality into uh, into the entrepreneur world, which is great. But mm-hmm. you got to learn how to really uh, make a system where you're working smarter and not harder. So it's not like I you know I I don't have to sit up at three a.m. waiting <laughs> for that squirrel to get down. If I already got a box a box with a nut in it, and it's just right. I wake up and the squirrel already in it. You know what I mean? So. I had to start working, really working, you know, get these passive systems up. That's what I, I would tell any entrepreneur and keep building your network because I, I you know, I understand these people. You come into corporate America, you will have a limited mindset because everything is based on a two week paycheck. But right. when you are, start working with your network and start listening to other people and, and seeing how it do, man, you are one conversation away from getting that two million dollar home. I mean, it's just it's yep. it's. You got to keep building your network, but not not being in a network where you just what do you do this and that. No, you you kind of talk to them like what value you know what value be have it a win win for both parties, not right. a leech. You know, be a you know provide value to that person. That person also provide value to you back. So yeah. it's not even selling to that person. You're not even selling. You're just trying to provide. You know, if you know, I'll be that person and you tell me what, you know, what what uh, projects you're working on. And if I find somebody else that can help you here, you know, I'll forward mm-hmm. them your way. So yeah. that's that's what I'm saying, man. That's what I, I feel that, you know, could be a benefit for those starting to work out. That that's a good point, man, that you mentioned with systems. But it, it's, it's crazy because a lot of times you won't even know the systems you need to put in place until you start working in your business you know it's almost like the chicken or the egg it's like okay i know i need systems and you can put some some basic systems in but in terms of like specifics like for example in in your workflow before you got into what you're doing right so you probably have a system when you book a client and you go through it and and take care of the trips but before you did your first client did you know the system or did you have to create that Oh man, you had to create it. You had to create it from um, from you know a lot of mistakes and a lot of experience. Well, not yeah, even mistakes, just experience. Experience, and you right? Wanna, and, and feedback from from the clients. Um, I you know I got feedback from my clients, and you know after they took trips, before they trips, what did they want? You know, what did they like about the experience? What did they find challenging? Mm-hmm. So I from now see from now on, once you make a deposit with me, I'm giving you information leading up to that trip to keep you uh, uh, ex- excited about going on right. that trip. Because sometimes they may book it a year, a year out and say, ah, mm-hmm. I don't feel like going now. So you got to keep them excited and everything. And, and even when they're coming back, you know, let them know I have a right. system in place to say. When you come back, you're doing a survey and you're telling me, who do you want to uh, where do you want to go next? Mm, because they already excited after they they already excited so where they want to go next Adonis will be right with you bro yeah so yeah so as soon as they put that in I'm already you know giving them information on that and then another thing I ask is who do you you know if you had a great time who else would like to use my services Mm -hmm. boom I got a referral so boom I'm going like that man so uh, yeah those systems are big man 
systems will, yeah. will definitely get you get you that that flow because let's face it, I mean, you, your income is the is the bloodline of the business. If you don't have that That's income it. coming in, it's, it's all it's fault. A, <laughs> it's a wrap, man. Yeah. I, I was listening to. Uh, I didn't get a chance to to hear it all, but I was while I was doing my workout this morning. I forgot what podcast it was, and it was talking about people getting stuck, right? And sometimes as entrepreneurs, we get stuck. Nothing's working. It's like, damn, my, my money is, is messed up. And what do I do? And I think that's a big issue, too, when you kind of run into uh, a roadblock or 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 things change in the industry or things change in the world like COVID. And I know that definitely affected your business, uh, exactly. you know. So it's like, man, when you get stuck. So do you have multiple streams of income? Do you have income that's outside of your your daily, you know, your 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 business? And I think those things start to be, um, you know, start to really come in question once you get that roadblock. And uh, so one of the things that, you know, when I was in my mortgage business, everything I had was attached to mortgages. I had the credit repair, obviously the mortgage business. And then I was looking to open a, a Remax real estate office. And it wouldn't have mattered if I had those three streams of income. I had the two the credit repair and the mortgage. But even if I had the, the Remax, it wouldn't have mattered because the whole industry basically got shut down. So that was something that always stuck in the back of my head that, you know, I, I, I like the ecosystem. You know, I, I like, I like obviously playing off and piggybacking off with something I already have started, but I also need to have maybe something else that's not in the same sector or vertical that God forbid something happens that I'll still be able to generate incomes and revenues and so that was one of the things i think when i started you know with black entrepreneur blueprint that's why i have the different brands and all kinds of other stuff that aren't even related to to the beb ecosystem but uh but yeah man that's that that's a great point with the systems bro definitely yeah definitely yeah, yeah man. i i I would, I would suggest just one one uh one point two man if uh -huh. you run into uh, any issues, it's this website called AnswerThePublic.com. Oh wow! I mean, okay. Yeah, just just put put your put your industry put your uh, information or uh, just like uh, like I put travel or I'll put okay. all inclusive resorts, and it'll come up with all the questions people are asking about that specific wow. thing uh, all the time, man. So you can That's start providing providing solutions to those problems. So, okay. man, I, I tell you, um, you know, put that in there, man, because it's always something that somebody has a question about. Uh, mm -hmm. You just don't know it all the time. So uh, answer the public dot com. Answer the public dot com. All right, my man. I appreciate that. Hey, uh, Belvin, tell everybody about your business, man, and how they can connect with you. OK, yeah. Uh, my business is Showtime Travel. What I do is I, I design luxury vacations for busy professionals. So all they have to do is show up and enjoy a lot of people use my services when they're celebrating a life event, maybe a birthday role, a romantic getaway or, or even just a group a group trip. So we take care of everything so you can have peace of mind. Uh, you can visit my website at ShowtimeTravel.com. Uh, if, if you're on Instagram, uh, Showtime Travel. And if you want to see some of the videos, not only of me traveling or some of my clients go to YouTube and uh, just uh, enter Showtime Travel in the search, and you'll see a variety of videos. In fact, I just put one up of uh, our trip to Ghana. So okay, uh, check cool, man. Look, y you can tell this brother got his elevator pitched down, right? 
But that's uh, a good thing. Well, yeah. You work on it, boy. You work. Yeah. It's a part of the system too. Part of the system. Yeah. That's it, my man. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Talk with you later, man. All right, man. All right. Let me get my man Adonis. All right, Adonis, hit that unmute. How are you, bro? Uh, I'm doing good. How about yourself, Jay? I'm, I'm good, man. What's what's going on with you, bro? Uh, I'm actually uh, here listening to the the good advice you gave and uh, Mr. Belvin gave as well. Cool. Uh, because you know I'm just started full time entrepreneurship like three weeks ago. Oh man, and I'm I'm still trying to to get systems situated. I think the hard part with me is uh still trying to figure out exactly what I'm wanting out of the business I'm uh, doing right now. What What's your business, man? Tell everybody what you do and how to connect with you. In the independent carrier business, um, mm-hmm. literally just bought a Sprinter van. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be doing uh, business within it. Uh, uh, my goal is actually to plan a fleet service, so get box truck and eventually 18-wheelers. But I'm owner-operator of the Sprinter van. Okay. Those other two, I will be uh, just owner, not operator. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Nah, that, that's what's up. And, and you're in the, what, Memphis? Yes, sir. Yep. All right. Cool. Cool. That's what's up. Yeah. So what? So what are you finding, man? Making that full time transition. Like, what are some of the things that uh, or problems or issues that that you had once you went there full time, man? Um, maybe keeping yourself busy was uh, gotcha. one of the things. For what? Yeah, because uh, when I as soon as I left my job, I actually went out of town like twice. Okay. So that that was easy. <laughs> for some reason, for some reason, for me, actually, like getting out of the system of corporate was mm-hmm. pretty easy. Um, it was. It's just more of trying to figure out exactly what I'm trying to go into. Right. Um, so, for instance, because what I'm doing is several different options I can do. Okay. Um, right now, my my uh, the thing I'm going through right now is deciding if I want to be under somebody's authority like DOT, you know, mm-hmm. or if I want to get my own. I right. spoke with a few people who are like in the business and they said because of the my insurance policy and basically mm-hmm. what all I got covered, everybody was telling me to, to to get my own authority and that's actually what I want to do. Right. Because I got other businesses like photography and real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my own authority, I sort of be my own boss and I can deal directly with like the Amazons, the FedEx and stuff like that. Right. Uh, instead of have to be under somebody's uh, legal ship and the contract has to go through them, if that makes right. any sense. Yep. So, but I got to still figure out how to do that process in a way because mm-hmm. it's easier for a vehicle that's over 10,000 pounds. Gotcha. It's required. Right. My vehicle's under 10,000 pounds. So right. it's not a requirement. Mm-hmm. So I'm still trying to figure out information on that. And also being patient. Like, you just can't rush some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's going through the process. Have you are you are you out there doing any deliveries or anything yet? Or are you? Yeah, you, actually, I was just okay. doing some last week. So my uh, buddy of mine, who is a entrepreneur, he's mm-hmm. into the event space business, so weddings okay. and stuff like that. He does a lot of the furniture, mm-hmm. and he's connected with like all the event planners here in Memphis. Um, mm-hmm. Well, because he works, uh, he has a corporate job, and he does that business on the weekend. He was like, oftentimes he gets uh, these event planners to. Uh, Ask him. They reach out to him, see if he can do deliveries for them on the weekdays. But because he has a job, he can't do can't it. Do it right. So because I got this van, me and him sort of partnered up on this stuff. Okay. And I was able to get deliveries through that. That was what I would get paid basically in one day at my job. I was getting paid in just a few hours doing that. That's beautiful, man. So 
It's just yeah. trying to get that consistency up a little bit more. But now because I've, mm-hmm. I've got that van, more people are starting to figure out that I do that. And now right. we have to provide services through that. Let, so, let, let me ask yeah. you a question, man. Did I ever talk to you or uh, did you ever research the pallet business? Uh, we we talked about it. yeah it yeah. was probably about two years ago yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it was a minute ago yeah so uh-huh. you got that sprinter van it's funny uh, buddy of mine started doing it who has a has a truck and I, now every time I I go pl- past places I see these pallets in these you know these yards mm-hmm. and so he was just saying that a lot of companies that don't do a lot of shipping but are receivers you know receiving stuff they'll just stack the pallets up. And so he'll go in, talk to him, hey, do you want, you know, I can do free pallet removal for you. And he'll go remove the pallets for free and literally go down two blocks or whatever and sell the pallets to manufacturers. Yep. And he's getting anywhere based on the, the size of the pallet. And uh, if it's wooden or, or plastic, he's getting anywhere from 2 to $5 a pallet. And so he was telling me two weeks ago he ran across – on the humbug, he was just driving. It was a um, not an HVAC company, but this company did it sold plumbing supplies or whatever. Went in the back, man. He said he had to make three trips. They had about eighty-five pallets that they literally were going to pay somebody to come and dispose of. And a lot of times, you'll you'll find those people that you know they'll pay somebody to actually come pick up their pallets, and then they'll still sell them. So they're making a double double bang right there. But he went and got those 85 pallets, man. He sold uh, sold them the next day for like $4 a pallet. Mm. You know what I mean? So, and it's crazy. So if you don't have anything to do, I would, there's on YouTube, man, there's tons of videos. There's a brother out there that has a pallet business. But that may be something as you're driving around and you don't have anything to do and you see some pallets in the yard, go and start talking to folk. Hey, I'll pick your pallets up. And what people are actually doing is creating routes with the pallets. So these guys, they get uh, milk delivered. They got all these pallets. They, you go in each week, pull them off. You know, hey, we're going to dispose your pallets. Then you take them down the street to somebody else who's shipping out a whole bunch of crap. And literally, man, you're the middleman making making crazy money doing that. But my buddy started doing that while he had downtime, man. So you might want to look at that, the pallet business, which to me blew my freaking mind because I never even, I never really thought about it. You know, right. it's something that you don't think about. Frank, we'll be with you in a second, bro. And uh, yeah, man. So um, being able to maximize your use, it's almost like a factory, right? If your factory isn't working at maximum capacity, technically you're losing money. You want that factory running 24-7, 365. Now, obviously, you can't do that because you got you to gotta get some sleep. <laughs> but uh, the more you can have going, bruh, I mean, man, you know, that's what is that? Uh, and it's not a super crazy money, but if you get a route going, uh, what's my math looking like over here, right? So what do you do? 85 pallets at $4. That's 340 bucks. That ain't bad, you know? Yeah, that's free money. Yeah, exactly. Free money. And then sometimes, like I said, you can actually have people pay you to move the pallets. Mm-hmm. So you can make money that way. Hey, man, just give me $2 a pallet. I'll move these 50 pallets out. That's 100 bucks that way. You take those 50 pallets, sell them for 3 or 4 bucks. You know what I mean? So that's another 200 whatever, 150 And uh And, man, I, it's funny because I got about eight pallets sitting in my basement and about 12 in my warehouse 
right now, just stacked up on the wall. Because, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's that's a great opportunity, man. All right. Man, appreciate, yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, bro. So yeah. just check it out. YouTube got a ton of videos on the pallet business. And uh, there's a brother out in Texas, man. He gives you the real lowdown. And uh, so uh, I forgot his name, but just Google that, man. Okay. Yeah. Well, we yeah. appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. All right, man. Talk to you. Don't, don't forget to let me know when you're up this way again, bro, so we can link. I actually need to talk to you because I got all this free time now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking about that earlier today. I was okay. Like, I know like, your schedule is just crazy. Nah, so, but oh, if I'm, you... If you if you let me know in advance, you know, give me about two weeks in advance. I okay. I definitely carve something out for you, bro. Okay, and we're, we're uh, gonna talk off uh, offline for sure. Okay, sounds good, brother. Appreciate right, you, man. Yeah. All right, Frank, we got you coming up, and then uh, we're gonna have Blake. All right, brother Frank, hit that unmute, man. Yeah, what's going on, brother? I'm good, man. How you making out? Oh, pretty good. Kind of want to um put an insert on there on, on the pallets uh, before I have my question. Actually, you know, I'm okay. in operations at uh, Lowe's Home Improvement. And, oh, damn. And uh, we, at our at, at our store, uh, we, we send our delivery driver on his flatbed truck to the dump at least two times a week just to get rid of pallets. What? Because, yeah, you know, because, uh, you know, we, we have so many behind the building and, um, you know, they, uh, they, the company don't like a whole lot of junk in the mm. back of the building. So we, we actually, we send our stuff to the dump. They say, get rid of it, you know, and Damn. yeah, we actually throw those away. So that's, that'd probably be a good thing to pass around those, those, uh, Doug Ashley's and home, uh, home depots and low, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, they, they'll, they, they'll be happy to get rid of them to tell you that much. I know we, wow. are, you know, man, that's crazy. See, yeah. Adonis, you don't have no more free time, bro. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, we we take them to the dump and uh and, and get rid of them. And about three days later, we tell the driver, you know, uh, load up the truck and and go back to the dump. You know, damn. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's that's that, 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 yeah. They they'd be looking for somebody like him to come out, come around and and, and get rid of them. You know, man. How, yeah. uh, now what you say? You work for Lowe's, Home Depot, uh, Lowe's, Lowe's. Okay, cool, cool. For now. For now, yeah, there you go. There you go. There but, you uh, go. But uh, my question is uh, uh -huh. kind of, I, I want to kind of get your advice on uh -huh. say you was in corporate and uh, you, you know, you, you're going to make that exit. What would yep. be your exit strategy? You oh, know, man. As so, far as, as far as, you know, the transition, you know, your runway and whatnot. Oh, that, okay. That's pretty much what kind of what my question was for the day. Yep, I appreciate it. So um here's what I would do, and I've I've done this before. So the first thing uh when I before I would leave, I would try to have all the tools I need to conduct business. So when I had my alarm business years ago, I was an ADT dealer and I was planning that while I was working uh in in the advertising space. So I knew I needed an office, uh I needed desks for employees, computers. Uh, all types of stuff. So periodically over a six month period, I started stacking up this stuff. Every time I got paid, I go to Lowe's or, you know, uh, Staples and I buy stuff. So my basement literally looked like an office. So I then I leased my office space uh, about two weeks before I was leaving so I could get in there and set up. So literally the, the, I left on a Friday, Frank, that Monday Monday. 
I literally had my office open. I had interviews scheduled. And so uh, the first thing I would say is whatever you need to do to conduct business in your business, make sure you have that. Because if you don't have that, then you don't have a business. Number two, I would say financially, if possible. Now, I know situations differ. If possible, um, if you're not in a business that can generate revenue quickly, you know, have as much money stacked away as you can to, you know, to to make sure that you you got your, you know, your essentials taken care of. And here's something I want to tell all entrepreneurs, anybody that's listening to this. When you start a business or you're in business and you're so um, you're so focused because you got to sell something so you can eat. A lot of times that causes you to cut corners and not build your business on a, on a foundation of rock, but on sand. Cause all you're worrying about, man, I got to make a sale so I can eat. I got to make a sale so I can eat. And you're not really building the foundation that you need. So I would think of, I would look at foundational. When I say building a foundation, sometimes we, we do things because we need the money. We'll take a client on. We know isn't good for us. That's going to be more problems than good because we need that client's money. Um, I'm going to say yes to a job that, you know, so Adonis gets an order from Lowe's that he, he has to, a million pallets, right? But they got to be done in, in, in two weeks. He can't do that job by himself, right? But because if he needed the money, he would end up doing things that aren't necessarily in the normal flow of building your foundation for a business. So make sure that you don't overextend yourself when it comes to that. And, and I think uh, slow and steady wins the race. So make sure you got a little bit of runway coming in um, in terms of. So I hope that helped you out a little bit. Oh, definitely, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My mind, you know, because, uh, uh, and Blake will be with you in a second, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, what you got planned for episode 400, brother? I, you know what, man? I'm going to have you on, man. <laughs> I, you know what? I don't know, man. I'm I'm working on that actually. Yeah, yeah. All right. Th- thank you, bro. Appreciate you, man. All right. No problem. All righty. All right. We're gonna get my man Blake up. Brother Blake, hit that unmute button, man. You live. All right. You gotta hit that unmute, man. So hit the mic on you. There you go. Hey, hey, how you doing, Jay? I'm good. What's happening, bro? How are you? Hey, I'm all right. I'm all right. I got a, I got a quick question for you. Yes, sir. All right. So I'm a firm believer that a lot of great minds and voices go unheard. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you, let's say you got a family man who's wanting to start his business. Mm-hmm. He's, he's wanting to be successful. Uh, how, how does a family man, you know, family of four, family of five how does how does he find the time the space the energy really to to put forth effort <laughs> yeah that's that's a good question man you sound you sound like me man so i'm uh so you got you got how many kids you got i got four four kids okay all right spouse partner too yes sir okay all right gotcha so six of y'all um how old are the kids man uh my oldest is 10 and then i got a set of twins they're four and then I got a son that's five. Oh damn, boy! You you got him, man! You got him stacked, didn't you? I got to figure it out. So here here's what I would do, man. Um, 
one of the things is have you decided on what type of business that you're you're going into or have you already started uh, no, uh, not really business per se, but mm-hmm. I would love to be a successful sports broadcaster. Okay, okay. All right, where are you based out of, man? What's that? Where Where are you based out of? What's What's state? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, boy. Oh, you're in Pittsburgh. All right. Do y'all have Connecticut schools of broadcasting up there? Uh, no, sir. Okay. All right. So Connecticut, and I don't know, I'm sure they have something similar. Connecticut schools of broadcasting is actually a school that actually teaches you how to become a radio or television host. So you you pay them to go to the school, but they teach you how to operate boards. They help you get jobs and all of that. So um, the first thing I would do if I were you, uh, based on your schedule, which is kind of crazy, man, I might look at seeing if you can, and I know it sounds crazy, but maybe do an unpaid internship overnight, maybe on the weekends, if possible, at a radio station or TV station or something. Um, so I don't know what your background is, but people don't mind free labor. That's how this country was built, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> yeah, so maybe to get your foot in. Um, so you want to be like on ESPN, local, national, is that, that, that what you're looking for? Uh, you know, a dream big, I guess, but, you know, just mm-hmm. a, I'd be happy with a successful podcast, you know, bring mm-hmm. on guests, you know, LeBron James, have the big guests come on, All right. like that. So maybe get the interview with Tom Brady one day. <laughs> you know, well, look, dream. What, well, well, here's something that you can possibly do um, is, is going to give you a shortcut. And I've done this before too. Okay. <clears throat> tell you a quick story. Uh, I don't know anybody in the Atlanta area. Belvin might have heard of these guys. They they were called the Two Live Stews, right? Doug and Ryan Stewart, right? I've heard of them. All uh, right, so Dougie and Ryan, my my one of my best friends is their uncle, right? So, um, and we ain't that much older than Dougie and Ryan, so he right. was like the baby. <laughs> so and uh, so Dougie and Ryan started off in an Atlanta station, buying time overnight, talking trash about sports. Okay. And so they became so popular that the station hired them. Then they eventually got a national deal and they they want ESPN and and all of that stuff. And it started because they bought time at a radio station. So you literally can buy an hour a week at a radio station. Um now you're not going to get prime time. It could be night uh weekends or whatever. Right. And you can they'll have a board operator. This is actually how I started. The first my first show I had on terrestrial radio. Yeah, they so had this a is bo- the first I'm hearing about something like that. Oh yeah. So you call a station something that's, you know, um station that's uh, amenable to your type of subject matter and you say, "Hey, I'm looking to buy airtime." And what does it cost for an hour airtime per week? It may be 300, 400, depending upon how large the station is. And then you go in, you create your show topics. They'll show you how to create a show in 60 minutes because they have different breaks and ID breaks that a station has. And what will happen is they'll have a board operator and you can invite guests on. And like, what's uh, what's a popular radio station in Pittsburgh, man? Uh, You got any talk stations or sports stations? I honestly, I just, I just keep up to date with ESPN and stuff like that. Okay. Gotcha. So, so that's what you want to look at. If you want to break in the terrestrial, uh, game. Now the terrestrial uh, radio game is going to give you two things. Number one, when you're talking to guests and you're saying, Hey, I'm going to be on WABC radio. That's different from saying I'm on Blake's podcast, right? Right. They'd be like, who's Blake? 
right? Because <laughs> you haven't nobody built knows. that up. Nobody yeah. Knows. <laughs> right. So so that way, and then what you can do, you literally, this is something that, uh, uh, Dan, there's a radio station in D.C. that wanted me to do a Saturday radio show, but I couldn't commit to driving to D.C. every Saturday. It was um, a Radio 1 station, the AM station. Uh, right. W-O-L, right, yes, which is black talk radio. And so what you can literally do is you can you can record your live radio interviews or your live radio uh, session, your hour, and then you can upload that on a podcast also. So you're creating a, a podcast along with the radio show, but you're doing it at one time. So if if you want to break in, I think the that fastest way, I mean, way to do way it. you got two different fan bases. Exactly. Right. So the radio is only going live where they do have streaming and, and, you know, people can go to the station and and download. But you're creating your own platform also while you're still uh, on a terrestrial radio station, which gives you credibility off the bat. So, uh, yeah. And so a lot of times people don't know. So when I started, my first show was called the entrepreneur advantage. It was on 860 a.m. in Philadelphia, Tuesdays at 12 o'clock. And it was a white station, so that's why it was called the Entrepreneur Advantage. It was just generalized. Then when I said, you know what, I'm going to what they called in 2014 Internet Radio, which is podcasting, I said, let me focus and uh, differentiate myself from all the other entrepreneur shows. And that's where Black Entrepreneur Blueprint came from. But I got a lot of traction in Philly. Um, then I, then I got hired to do on WURD, uh, which is a black station. I, they hired me from the show I was paying for to do a radio show on Tuesday nights. And so I did that for a while. Then I just said, you know what? I'm, I I need to make more traction. Uh, here's what I'm going to tell you too. So if you go to an AM station by law, AM stations at night, I think it's after six or seven o'clock have to what they, they call pot down or bring their signal down, uh, because it interferes with airplanes and stuff like that. So, if you're in an AM station and you're doing something after night at seven, eight o'clock at night, nobody's going to hear you terrestrial. Not you might get a 25 mile radius. Now, if they have the streaming service to go along with that, that's different. But um, that's the way that you get into radio, man, without going through paying your dues. You go and you buy that crap, man. You right. buy the space. Yeah. So that's what I would do, bro. Hey man, this this has been really educational. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, if you need like any more questions, or whatever, man, hit me up. You know, email me, DM me, or whatever. And um, like I said, brother, I I can definitely point you in the right direction and give you some pointers, man, as to how to do that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I I will do that. Cool, my man. Appreciate you, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Uh, you too, man. All right, guys. We got any more uh any more questions, comments? Uh, today we were talking about do you have what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur or if you just had any questions about your business, my business, or entrepreneurship in general, feel free to come on up, dialogue. Uh, love to hear your comments, questions, or whatever. Uh, we got anybody else? Oh, man, y'all quiet today. Y'all quiet today. Nah, but I, I appreciate it. So, um, uh, oh, my man, Brother Belvin. All right. Uh, he just real quick on that one, man. I'm gonna have to put just you put you a limit on you, man. 
Now nah, let me stop. <laughs> no, no, I, I, and that's what I'm gonna say real no, quick, man. No, take and, your time, family. <laughs> no, real quick. Man. Yeah, um, just just following back because I was here when when of course the uh, the stools of my uh, frat brothers. Yeah, yeah, they cute. Them, yeah, to yeah. see them how they grew. I mean, it, you know, we was all they would call us all up. Hey, just listen to us at seven thirty. And you're mm-hmm. right, the signal was bad or everything. But everybody, <laughs> we got all, but we all called because they was the first people to talk like us, like in a barbershop exactly. on, you know, the closest yep. we had to that before was Stuart Scott on right. ESPN. I mean, yeah. and, and they're way above. Now they've opened the doors for everything. The only thing I would tell that guy, though, mm-hmm. is, is, is start off on YouTube, man. Yeah. Just go on, they didn't have YouTube when they started, man. Exactly. And they, you know. Just go on YouTube and start building your audience up, man. Learn mm-hmm. learn how to, to live stream on YouTube and even record. Man, I, a I, I'm, a big, I'm a big Buckeyes fan, man. It's this mm-hmm. dude that just literally after each game just gives his opinion after mm. the game. That's right. it. And wow. he builds an audience from there. So it's just like, Does he man, take calls? No, you don't take calls, but he takes comments. Okay. Gotcha. So you give comments and he's keep you know keeps answering the comments and he's mm. building a following keeps building a following and just all he does is says my my immediate reaction after the game that's wow. all he is man get out of here like how many yeah. uh, views and su- sub subscribers he got man decent amount man yeah I don't I mean it's it's multiple people doing it it's just not him but if you look at like when the Buckeyes played uh, Utah in the Rose Bowl, man, after the game, all you had to do is put immediate reaction after Rose Bowl. Just put wow. that in the in the search. You'll see That's all it. these people. All they doing is giving their opinion on wow. how the how the game went, and it's crazy. crazy. And then you start building it up. And I seen people. Then he'll start interviewing assistant coaches and stuff like that, and other fans. I mean, yeah. it's it, the Stews did not have YouTube and everything, man. You got so many platforms now. You right. really don't have to go on the radio, man. But I, yeah. you know, that it is, is you know, but that's you, a good point. Yeah, but yeah. I just wanted to bring that point up, man. I uh, let me. I, I know I'm over my limit. Nah, I'm nah, 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 man, you, <laughs> brother. Nah, nah, nah. You know, I'm messing <laughs> with you, but but yeah, but Doug, but Dougie and Ryan, man. Yeah, I remember them cats. They were they was little boys, man. And uh, it's it's crazy, man. They they probably they, well, they ain't they not like I said they're not that much younger than me, but uh, right, yeah. I, yeah, but um, uh, but yeah, they started that thing, man. And I I was I figured you probably were familiar with them being in in Atlanta, but uh, yeah, they literally started that, man. And my uh, my best friend, he's an attorney, and he was like, yeah, man, they got this deal. I forgot who they. I know they used to be on ESPN sometime. Oh, they was and, they was arguing with Skip. Before before everything, yeah, before all of them did. He was. They were on. It was cold pizza. Then it was um. Yeah. And uh, whatever it is now, uh, now first take. But yeah, yeah. They, they were on there before anybody was even doing it. They were you know flying from Atlanta to Connecticut. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. And man. they won. They won the uh the something of the Sports Illustrated Sports Talk Radio today. Man. Mm-hmm. You, it's just so sad, man. How they they dogged them when they they sided with Vic during that whole situation, man. Black yeah, Black yeah. Oh, that's but what yeah. happened. Oh yeah, man. They got blackballed, man. It was it was crazy because of Mike uh, and the dogs. Yeah, you know, and they was giving they side up because they would give it. It was everybody. It was everybody's opinion and then their opinion. Right. If it wasn't for them, they wouldn't. You know, half the stuff. You know, you will only hear. 
Jersey, you know, Mike right. from Jersey talking about yeah. his side of the story. They gave the side of the story what you were here in the barbershop, and that's what right. it was, man. And, and corporate America loved it till it till it went to that point, man. And that's yeah. when they was just like, but it was, but it was. Now you get all these opinions. I mean, they opened exactly. the door for everybody, man. Now you got people talking any type of way on on sports talk, and they, they don't even get, you know, nothing. They opened yeah. the door for that, man. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point because they did, and you know what? I forgot they were on there before YouTube and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't have the you know the social media. So, so Blake, I don't know if you're listening. Let me see, or you're gone. But uh, yeah, you're still there, bro. But yeah, that's a good point, Belvin made. You can literally do this on YouTube first, um, you know, and, and do that. Now, I use uh, for my podcast. I use a streaming app called Riverside.fm riverside.fm so you can actually stream your video live to youtube facebook uh all of those different places at the same time and you can take comments too so if you want to test it out like that the only thing i will say uh blake make sure you're consistent with your time and your date that's you know the dates that you're going to publish so but yeah i appreciate that bro that's that's good all right man yeah yep cool all right we got any other questions comments uh we wide open. We got a couple minutes left, about three minutes left. So uh, anybody want to come up? Uh, if you got a business, share your business information or whatever. Uh, we good to go. But um, I, we don't see nobody coming up. So make sure, guys, uh, tune in. I don't know if you heard. Oh, all right. My man, Emir. Here we go. Hold on, bro. Hit that unmute, bro. You got to hit your, uh, there you go. I got you now. What's going on, brother? I'm good, fam. How you doing? I'm hanging, man. I'm good. I'm good, man. What's going on? Yeah. Wanted to ask you, uh, yep. been listening, like me, the first, since the first 15 minutes, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to ask you, what is maybe one of the challenges you're facing now with the hot sauce? Oh. You use that hot sauce for uh, <laughs> Super Bowl, so I'm going to have to re-up. <laughs> I got you, baby. Hell yeah, hot sauce dot com, yeah. baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so with the hot sauce right now, you know what? Uh, this this all right. I'm getting my point of purchase displays made in China, and I had to do it because the pricing. So right now, I literally got an email. So I I have for those of you guys who don't know, I have a brand called Hell Yeah Hot Sauce that I'm looking to go into big box stores, convenience stores. So I have a mini bottle brand, a mini bottle, which like the mini bottles of alcohol you get that I'm going to be having displayed on uh, countertops and convenience stores. And so in order to get into these chains, I have to have a point of purchase display. So uh, the point of purchase display, the biggest problem I'm having right now is I had to go to China because the prices here in the U.S., for a point of purchase display that handles 24 bottle mini bottles was cost to be $10 a freaking $10 a freaking point of purchase display, which was way too much, really cutting to my profitability. I was only making $18 selling 24 bottles. So that it, then when you add that in, that cuts, cuts my profit in half. So I had to go to China and uh, I should be getting a sample within the next three to four days. Um, and that cut me down from ten dollars, ten dollars and like fifty cent down to like two dollars and seventy five cent for the wow. display. But um, that's the biggest thing. And the other thing is um, supply. So 
right now, you guys know with the supply chain, you go into any major store, you'll see even in Walmart, some of the shelves are empty. So um, I was having issues with my supplier about the hot sauce bottles because all of this stuff, the bottles, the caps, they're getting in bulk from China. So those are two of the biggest things uh, in terms of the production chain, in terms of the actual marketing of the product. It's actually going, um, I mean, it's going, it's going on schedule because I'm not really pushing too hard right now until I get all of my, all of my stuff in order. So I, as I was mentioning to uh, uh, Frank asked the question. So until I'm ready to go full force and I have everything I need to conduct business, I'm kind of holding off a little. So I had a meeting with a, a big convenience store chain. And the first thing they told me was, if we place an order, how fast can you supply us? And I said, it's probably going to be about two months. And they were like, okay, cool. But FYI, when you go to anybody else, don't do that. You need to be ready to go because a buyer may say, hey, yo, we like it. Let's place this PO right now. You know, I need this here in two weeks. So um, just being prepared or having the tools ready to do business. And that's what I'm going through right now with with the hell. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, man, I got I got cases in my basement. I got a warehouse with cases. So I'm ready. What they say? I'm ready to go. I just got to get some orders. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So how how you making out with them watches, bro? Tell, oh, tell everybody your, your brand, man. Oh, yeah, so the founder and CEO of Earth the Watch Company. Uh, we sell distinctive timepieces um, at an accessible price point. And so I, I'm planning to launch our crowdfunding campaign in one week from today. Cool. Next Tuesday, uh, I have a small goal, minimum of $20,000, which will be going towards new inventory cool. um, and the expansion of my team. You touched on that earlier today, what yep. it takes to be successful. Yeah. And uh, being able to really work with like minded individuals and which I have been doing, but I need someone on a more consistent basis. Right. Because uh, I filed my taxes yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and, and man, Good or bad, yeah. man. I mean, they, they they was like, you know, it's not too bad. <laughs> in their first year. Right, right, <laughs> like, right. Okay, what? You know, it, it made me feel better, but, you know, I did operate at a loss, and I know why. Yeah, she's starting now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and that was my challenge, too, as far as marketing. And so um, mm-hmm. a lot of the budget that we'll be raising through the crowdfunding campaign will go towards hiring someone um, in the area of marketing. And That's so, what's up. So Eartha Watches, guys, E-A-R-T-H-A, EarthaWatches.com, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. Man. I been I don't know what's going on, bro. But on my IG, brother, I must get about ten different watch companies showing man, up every day. What's going on, man, in the industry? Uh, it's the access to white labeling is uh, crazy. Very yeah. accessible now. Yeah. So yeah, um, I've been paying attention to that too because I'm like, yeah, it's a lot of companies. Whew. Some of the the CEOs they be watching my Instagram stories. They won't follow me or anything, but I see right. them watching. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just so easy to just slap a logo on a watch. Right. And so, uh, that's something I've been thinking about too, is like in which ways I can make my company stand out from these new emerging companies who are doing that, you know, yeah, I was telling you, man, get that wallet, man. 
get yeah. that wallet, get that combo. And, and so a lot of times here's, here's something that entrepreneurs take a, take a look at. So a lot of times you want to make people, everybody compares apples to apples, right? So your watch versus this watch. But what you want them to do is compare apples to oranges and how you create the differentiation is, is either you combine another product, you bundle it with it, something little special about your product, but you don't want people to be able to cut apples to apples because the biggest thing they're probably going to look at is the pricing. You know, so if your perception and pricing isn't aligned, then they're going, oh, man, that Earth watch is nice, but this other, you know, Jay Jones watch looks just as good and it's $25 less, you know. And so so you want to create an apple to oranges comparison where there's really no comparison. So now, Eartha, you buy this watch, you get this nice leather wallet with it or, you know, upsell it with a leather wallet or add something a little different that's going to set make your your product or service, whatever it is, uh, differentiate itself. And uh, you know what I mean? So it could be watches. It could be, you know, whatever it is, man. Um, I mean, uh, wallets, it could be something else, but you know, what else yeah. goes with, with, with time? What else goes? Cause I mean, your, your mission, you said, what's your, what's your slogan, slogan again? Connecting time to the mission. Connecting time to the mission. Right. So it could be a planner that comes with it. It could be an app mm-hmm. that comes with it. It could, you know what I mean? Something yeah. like that to, to separate yourself from, from that man. So, um, and, yeah. and it all boils down to guys. Everything is marketing. You're going to sell the same product or service as other people. It's just how your your marketing is, how it's perceived, and how you position your product. Because I'm going to tell you, what's what's the watch? Even Diddy was talking about it. What's the watch, man? He, it looks like a freaking Swatch watch. It looks like it's plastic and, and rubber. And these these rappers, uh, I forgot the name of these freaking watches. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah. I'm like, yo. Yeah. <laughs> that thing looked like a, a swatch watch back in the day, yeah. man. And people, was, how much, man, I'm like, this Not, doesn't even make sense. Yeah, it, it's really, it's one of those, the perception thing, you know, it, it costs mm-hmm. them, they're expensive uh, time pieces. That's all. Yeah. It's not really my preference. I wouldn't wear it. Yeah. Um, even if I could afford it, I, I wouldn't wear it. Yeah. Um, but that's just me. But yeah, that's, that's all it is. It's just the cost of the watch. Did y'all... That's, Y'all see what uh, you see what uh uh Fat Joe had on the other day? Nah. Oh man, I have him on my my latest IG post. He had a four million dollar watch on. I forgot who the what the brand was. He was unboxing it. I'm like, bro, that ain't that ain't an asset class, bro. You know what I mean? I know some people switch Rolexes and all that. They buy and sell Rolexes. But a four million dollar yeah. watch, I don't know where, where the market is for a used four million dollar watch. Yeah. So you know, um, but yeah, it's it's just crazy. So perception and pricing and aligning everything with with that, making sure your perception and pricing are aligned, and the product obviously the product has to be good. Yeah. yeah. So so what I'm yeah. Going moving forward is we're, I'm actually uh, we're going to be making custom colors on That's our watch up. styles now. Uh, before. Um, I wasn't able to do that. Now I have a manufacturer here in LA, so we've been, you know, meeting in person as opposed to before. Right. I will make my own designs, 
But mm-hmm. I didn't know that when I sent it to the manufacturer through Alibaba, I'll be transparent. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, my I found my manufacturer on Alibaba, and mm-hmm. I sent them my my drawing, my sketch. Right. And I didn't know that what they sent me, they already had it. That oh, that damn that that kind of image right. in um in stock already. So now the difference now, which is helping me stand apart from everyone else. I have a partner here in LA, manufacturer here in LA, where mm-hmm. I can actually go to their office and we design it uh, together, together based off my sketch. And um, That's what's up. I'm saying, like, I actually want this tint of blue and we can change the, the shades and things like that. So, because mm-hmm. uh, like I said, it's so easy to go on Alibaba and say, <laughs> I want 300 watches, put my logo on there. Right. And that's why we're seeing so many emerging watch brands because of that access. I see. Yeah, bro. Cause I'm, I mean, literally this morning, I think I got about 10, 10 different watch IG, uh, uh, images on man. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. And so, um, but now nah, that, that makes sense. So now you can get the customizer where it's not like, you know, white label from Alibaba and all of that, yep. bro. Yeah. So, and anything else, man, that, like I said, that can help separate it with the add on product or, something like that man um you know definitely because you're you're basically in the accessories right now yeah yep. so you know you got all kinds of uh options that you can you can uh you know move into bro but that's I got good a money making one i got one i got one right. on. yeah, wallet, right. yeah definitely yeah. Wallet, but it's mm-hmm. another one too that i've been uh okay. looking into all right, keep quiet. Keep yeah. that to yourself, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and matter of fact, man, let me know. Uh, yeah, when you drop again, man, I need to have you on the show for your crowdfunding, bro. So okay. you can, uh, yeah. So we'll 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 talk off air and uh, get you, you know, get you on back on the show again. Thank and uh, yeah, man. So we can you can help uh, get that, man. Uh, look, man, I I just need a free watch, though. All right. Nah, I've let me stop. Nah, man, you know, come on, man. Yeah, I, nah, I'm going to pay for it, just like last time, bro. You got to make money, man. You got to make money. You don't want to operate at a deficit again next year. This right, year. <laughs> My man, appreciate you, bro. All right, thank you, man. All right, man, talk to you. All right, guys. Uh, anybody else before you about to lock it on in? Close it on down? Okay. Appreciate you guys. Make sure if you hadn't listened to uh, BEB 396 that came out uh, yesterday, make sure you check it out. I had Dedrick and Crystal Polite on uh, five million dollars in real estate assets. Uh, They're on a new A&E show called 5050 Flip. It's a pretty, pretty neat show. I asked them on the interview, was anything staged? And they were like, nah, this is straight up. All they did was follow us around. But they've only been in the real estate business about four uh, four years and amassed five million dollars in a, in their portfolio of rental properties, and they flip properties also. So their fifty fifty flip is they spend fifty days or less and fifty thousand dollars or under to rehab the property properties, and they're in a uh, right outside of Durham, North Carolina. Now property values obviously are a little bit different all over the country. So some of the stuff like you can't buy a thirty five thousand dollar house in a lot of places you know, um, and, and rehab it and flip it. But, uh, the concept and what they're doing, trying to build generational wealth is amazing. So make sure y'all check that out. Uh, it was a pleasure to interview those guys and, um, that's, that's good stuff there. So 
Appreciate you guys. Uh, I'll see y'all next week, 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Ask J Live. Appreciate you guys. See you next week. Peace.